Oh, oh, did it, did it. Oh, did it, did it. Oh. Are you gonna start this thing or what's going uh, on? Uh, uh, <laughs> this is not a good start if this is the start. Uh, no. Mm -mm. It sounds like yeah. you're you, you found a better day today. Uh, did you wake up in, in a better place today? Well, last time we talked, it was evening. I literally woke up from a nap and went straight to the recording device. That's why I said, text me when you're ready, because I was literally laying down. And uh, yeah, mentally, I was in a bad space last time. And then you upset me, and I went, and I balled up in a ball. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to talk to Sean anymore. <laughs> and then yeah. I went, and then I was done, and I thought a lot. Mm -hmm. I thought a lot about the things that upset me, that how you had upset me, and I thought about it, and then I thought about bigger picture, like not you, just bigger picture why those things upset me, and then I mm -hmm. did something about one of them, and then I feel much better now, and yeah, just, uh, I am in a better place now. Okay. Do you, do you still feel like I was gaslighting you? Yes. On three, on three angles, I felt like you were gaslighting me. Wow. Okay. Should we talk about it? Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, I thought you're gaslighting me on telling me that all the info came out two years ago. I did some research and like that movie, uh, came out this year. Yeah. And I remembered, then, I remembered where I saw the, the excerpts from it and it was during the trials. Okay. And then, uh, telling me that I was playing video games because of a midlife crisis, I thought was a gaslight. And then, I wasn't, um, you definitely weren't listening. I wasn't telling you that that's what your midlife crisis was. No, maybe I wasn't listening. That's what I was hearing. <laughs> I'm telling and you, then, that was uh, my midlife crisis. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, continue. And then, uh, God, what was the other one, though? I don't no, know. No, I'm distracted. I'll probably remember it as we go. Don't ball up. I won't ball up. All right, Armadillo. <clears throat> Do you still have your sword out? Everybody wants to know if your sword. Oh, still then out. I remember the other one. You told me that the world was kind of like as crazy as it was back in the '90s, and things aren't actually getting worse. Oh yeah, and that definitely made you feel like I was gaslighting you. Well, all three did. All three. I just felt like you were kind of being anti. Like you were in a mood to like kind of challenge, which is, I guess, fine. I just wasn't in the mood to be challenged, so I was starting to break down as far as just like retreating and not wanting to engage and being like, whatever, let's get this podcast over with. So that's the part I find interesting is that I would say a majority of the time you like to be the challenger, right? Like you'd like to yeah. be the person that's poking holes, but it's like, uh, when that's, when it goes the other way, you don't like it very much. But there is a difference between gaslighting and challenging somebody's beliefs. Gaslighting is literally saying something that's not true. Like a movie came out two years ago, you know, <laughs> and well, yeah, no, it did. But I did see that. I did see like, that's fine. But I, I that, did feel like I was being gaslit or being told like things are not super crazy right now. To me, that's pretty irrefutable. And I know it's an opinion, but again, I felt like, like it was kind of like a strategy to like, uh, I don't know, just to be anti or to challenge, which I understand is a, can be really good. You know, like your brother's super good at that. And I found it really useful at different points in my life to be around somebody who does that. Yeah, I, I may, I may have been being anti, but that was not my intention. I, I, I generally feel like it's less 
than other people feel like it is. But that's my maybe that's my issue to deal with. Like you said, I'm usually the person in the room that's the odd man out, which is, you know, that's it's that's fine. Yeah, I mean, we all got to, you know, it can't be perfect for all of us, right? Like we all have something that we're really good at and really bad at and like consequences and all that. And if, and if your consequences, you're the odd man out, but you know, you've learned to deal with it and, you know, turn it into a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's also, it, it's not that I don't have issues, right? I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to project perfection in any way. I have plenty of things that I see that are wrong and I have plenty of things that I wish that we could work on, but it's just generally not the things that we get caught up in when, when I know, and I think that you would agree, like, it's just that right now I feel like we're identifying ourselves so much with politics when that's like, we, we talked about this piece of it too, when it's really just not that much of you, who you actually are. Right. But to go back to the, um, the flaws and stuff and not being perfect. I, th I think it is important to, I, I think I've pushed on you to talk about where I push you. I think you exude a lot of confidence and I think people like that, but I think part of exuding confidence is you don't talk about your weaknesses. And sometimes I try to pull that out of you. Maybe I shouldn't be doing it. You know, maybe that's stupid. Like, why are you even trying to do that, Jeff? It's just something I like to do with people is get them to talk about their weaknesses. So they, not so they improve them because I don't think people should, I think people should learn their weaknesses. So they learn when it's time for them to step back and let somebody else take the wheel. That way people can be a better team. Yeah. I think I feel the same way. I think that it's just oftentimes seen that I'm doing it in a different way, which I'm, and maybe that's what I'm trying to learn too, is I'm, I'm not trying to do it in a different way. I'm definitely not trying do to what tell in a you, different way help people. Okay. Like if, if I'm having those conversations with you, it's because I think you've probably gone too far down a path. Right. Right. And so I'm trying to bring you back to a place where I, I think it's more of what I know about you, not, not me, right. but you. And so, you know, I've said this before, but like when I get frustrated with people, it's not, it's generally not because of something that I'm judging them for. It's because of something that I think I knew about them. And, they're showing me something that's not. And sometimes that's what happens. Like people well, change. People change though. Yeah. yeah I mean, that happens. I would that say definitely does. a lot of people change a lot, but there's also a lot of people who change zero amounts. I know so many people who are the exact same person as the high point in their life. A lot of people yep. reach like the pinnacle of their life, the most money, they get a good job, something. And from that point, they never change again. You're absolutely right. The part that I, the part why I get involved is because I think this is true for everybody. You have to make a decision whether you want to stay involved, right? And if you're moving in a pattern, especially right now, with th this happens all the time. Like you, you were just saying this the other day, like I need to cut all these people out of my life, right? And I need to be careful who that is right now because I could be, could, I could do damage. But it happens all the time where we all are changing all the time and then we're reassessing. Are we still similar enough to want to be together, right? Yeah except for the people that we love. And, and strangely with those people, we're able to make an, an extreme amount of exceptions, right? Like we, we look at them and they're flawed, they're flawed in a lot of different ways, but th those flaws we overlook and s almost treat them as meaningless. Not that they are, but that is kind of how we deal with it with people we love. 
I, uh, I'm having a really hard time doing that with my relatives right now. I'm hitting that point again where, uh, and I say again, cause it happened the first time with Trump where, uh, even the people I love the most, like close family members, I'm getting to the point where like, you know what? I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to talk to you for a while. Well, yeah. And I think that we need to separate love a little bit. Cause I think there's people that you are, you know, that's your blood and that, that there's a love that it's expected. That's like a, you know, that's a bond. I'll call it. That's a, that's expected. But then there's the one that you create, right? The people you choose to love, like your wife and yeah, child and that kind of stuff. I want to go back to the expected part though. <laughs> there's okay. so many relationships I've seen in this world where like the relationship with the family wasn't good and people found a better relationship. It, it's, um, yeah, expected, I don't know. Do you think that there's a thing where, like, you just always have to love your mom and dad and your brother and sister and you just have to make it work? No, no I don't, but I think that that's what's expected. Expected, yeah, yeah. That's what I said it for, yeah. It, yeah. I, I think that it's something that people torture their whole lives for, right? Like, there's all kinds of abuse that comes out of it in, in a multitude of ways that doesn't, it, it's not necessary. That's why I was separating the two because the ones that you choose, you're willing to, you are willing to make all of the sacrifices and every single exception for because you see something in them that is worth doing that for. And with right. other people, even if it's your family members, that doesn't necessarily exist. And oftentimes it just, it just doesn't exist. Right. You know, the thing I think about a lot is being really upset that I only had one kid because it didn't provide my, my daughter with an opportunity to have siblings and I'm super lucky. I, I have two amazing brothers. They're, they're very different, but they're also very similar in a lot of ways. And, and, um, you know, my family is close and so I I'm lucky that way, but it's not like that for most people, right? Like a lot of people I know their brothers and sisters don't get along. Yeah. I, I um, this is a little off topic, but I like to think that like jealousy towards people is something that's just very worthless because I always think that if you're jealous of an aspect of somebody, you got to take it all. And usually at that point you're like, Oh, I don't want that person's life. Like no way. Like I might be like, Oh, I'm jealous of my brother's let's say money. But then I'm like, do I want his life? No way. Right. And honestly, the thing I've thought about that with you is your childhood. It seems like you had a pretty like nice, happy childhood. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think mo most of my life, if I really look at it, you know, like I I've been so lucky. I've been so lucky. And um, I haven't really had a ton of challenges, right? Like I just have been super lucky that way. Like I remember as a child, I have so many memories of just crying, just being in my room and crying. Like, did you have things like that? I mean, I had emotional moments, but not, not because right. of my fam, not because of my family. Or, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I broke down in, in high school because my, I just told this story last night, but my, my parents, now I'm not going to tell this story cause it's a humble brag. Nope. Not doing it. <laughs> uh, do you remember Florida much? Not really. I mean, I went back a lot as a kid, so I remember it from that perspective. I don't remember living there. I, I remember like, <sighs> very, very old memories of like a fence and a, and a grandmother clock that was my neighbor used to pick me up and bring me to their house and give me candy. But I don't, that's all I remember. Nice. When apparently I ate um, dog shampoo one time and they had to call the, uh. the medics.
I don't remember that either. And then from then on, you always ate your own poo and scratched your ear with your foot. <laughs> um, I mean, my parents told me and my brothers told me that I was like, I, I just came out of the, when I was born, I was just like kind of a happy kid. And I, I generally felt happy most of my life, pretty optimistic. You're like an elf, your brothers describe you like an impish, mischievous, little happy elf. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, I think that's a good description. Yeah, I don't believe in the idea of really jealousy because, again, it's like I can't just get the childhood. If I get the childhood, then I lose so many other things, right? Like, because uh, my childhood formed me. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm actually struggling with this with my parents a bit right now. I've been trying to tell them that I didn't uh, really enjoy my childhood just to try to talk to them about it. They really don't like to hear that. They find it as an insult towards them. They actually went to my brother and were like, talk to him and then came back to me and they're like, well, we talked to your brother and he said his childhood was fine. So we don't see what you're complaining about. They literally did that. So we don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah. Hey, I know she listens sometimes and you know, I know you're a good listener, mom, but you, you're not listening right now. <laughs> Sorry to tell you, but um, yeah, yeah, you got to listen a little deeper. And I and it sucks because you know, here, Jeff, you'd like me to tell you when I'm bad about things or when I'm not good at things. I, I one thing I don't understand, one of the emotions and the things I struggle with most is jealousy. So, you know, there you go. You can ignore it, and so I have no ability to do that. That you know, not 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 necessarily with. Um, monetary things and things like that right. but with other things i i definitely struggle with jealousy have you ever tried the trick of imagine that you just completely switch lives with them it doesn't work because really? what, what it because what it comes to for me is like relationships and so like it doesn't matter at that point because then it's it's about the idea of somebody having the relationship and me not a relationship with a different person in any relationship like the part of the reason i choose my friends part of the reason i keep a very small circle of friends part of the reason why i don't give out so much energy is part a part of that is jealousy but it's also in my like with my the people who i love the most like before getting married of course and i don't have to worry about it now but prior to that like <clears throat> one of the worst things for me in a relationship was the possibility of somebody cheating on me right and so like that, that whole piece of it to me is something that I, I struggle with mightily. Oh, sure. Um, I'm still, I'm still having a hard time understanding though. Um, so you're saying jealousy of somebody, you're not jealous of somebody else's life. You're mm -mm. jealous of somebody taking something from you or jealous of some of you. No. Well, relationships. So like, I don't care about physical objects. Like, I don't care if you have a nicer car or a nicer house. Like that doesn't make me jealous. Right. But if I mean, somebody maybe, has a ton of friends that would make you jealous potentially. It, it's not a ton of friends. It's if you are better friends with the people who I value, like if oh. I really value your friendship and then you come into the relationship right. and this, and then I'm no longer as valuable as our feel as valuable as I was before. I think my daughter struggles with this. Right. She was talking about it the other day. And that's how I kind of realized how to identify it for myself. Um, it, it's a social construct. It's why I turned out the way I was in high school. It's, you know, she kept asking me questions about that the other day. And I was like, well, I really, it's Your not daughter. that I wasn't, yeah, I, it's not that I wasn't 
she wasn't really asking me questions. She was asking herself questions and I was reflecting. But I was, it wasn't that I wasn't friends with the popular kids, but I really never hung out with them, right? I hung just out friends with, with everybody, right? Right, but I, I hung out with most of the other groups of people, like outside of school. I would do things with them. I would go to their parties. I would go to their houses, right? Like I would go do WrestleMania with Alex Knudsen and, and um, Travis Carissa and like that group of people, right? And we'd go sledding and stuff like that. And then I would go and play D&D with Chris Benner and Jared Diem and that group right. of people, that my choir group of friends and my acting group of friends. And then there was you guys, the the jam. And, the and, jam. You know, I would hang out with that that crew on, on you guys through parties. Or, <laughs> definitely a historical group of folks. Um, but, you know, they, of course, all those people bled into other groups too. It wasn't like... So are you, you saying because you had um, kind of mid-level relationships with everybody and didn't dedicate your time to a couple of relationships that then you started to become jealous because all those like more surface level relationships, those people had closer friends and you were like, wow, I have all these friends, but they all have a best friend. That's not me type of thing. I mean, I broke down, I literally broke down at one of your parties and said that to you guys. Yep. I did in, in your house, actually. I don't remember anything from 1992 to 1996. <laughs> I don't, not surprised. Dude, I did so much fucking shit during those years. I mean, the vodka alone probably took care of some of that Snorted stuff. Snorted vodka. I did yeah. heroin once. I did yeah. crack once. Mm -hmm. But I've never done these new designer drugs. Like, I've never had an Adderall or a Molly. Ever, ever. No, but I've, you did plenty of ecstasy, which is basically... No, not X. I did a lot of acid and a lot of mushrooms. You totally did ecstasy. Did I? Yes, I I know for a fact you did. I probably did. I just, I, I was at the point where I'm like, offer me something, sure. <laughs> Let's go. When I came back from Mankato that first year, or like that year while I was still there, but came back and you were in the towers, you were messed up. Yeah. You were, you were in another world for sure. Well, and this all, I think, honestly... One thing I'm learning now is a lot of this goes back to what I've been trying to talk to my parents about that, like, I was a pretty unhappy little kid for, you know, a variety of reasons. But then I think once I got out from under their wing, I had a lot of exploring to do. And I don't know if I was, uh, you know, uh, very having very much self-care while I did it. You know what I mean? Well, it turns out, I think that's just a big problem of growing up in the suburbs in a place like Minnesota, honestly, because like some of my awakening didn't happen till I got here. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I grew up till I was, most of my childhood was in the, uh, the, uh, woods of Michigan, which is even, right. you know, more rural, you know? Yeah, no, I feel you. I, I think that's, it's that there's just a mentality there too, that you're right, that it's the same mentality. It's just the, it's way different than a big city in, in the, the crossbreed of, of cultures that happens. And so you just don't get an idea of how to take any of that stuff in. And, um, at least that was my, one of my big awakenings was just like this. It wasn't a fear, but I understand why so many people are afraid of the, of not understanding any of the other cultures just by not being around them. Um, it's just uh, un super unfortunate cause it's, there's just so much good stuff there. Yeah, that was a tangent. What does that have to do again with like uh, 
Why? Why? What does that have to do with um, like just being uh, like sad as a as kid? a kid? I'm not sure it has uh, anything. Are you to saying if it. I grew up in a, a city, it might have been different? It probably would have been actually. I think for you it would have because I think yeah. you're the type of person that was seeking that sort of thing from the yeah. get go, and you, and you would have been an artist much faster and probably yeah. much deeper if you would have gone down that path. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I because all the best memories for me as a kid were finding culture from cities like finding dungeons and dragons for me was like oh my god or like when the internet became a thing and i was able to go online and research other stuff that only i liked i was like are you kidding me there's a world outside of heartland michigan those were almost always my best moments or like meeting another kid who was like very introverted and also like did a lot of exploration and stuff like that and new stuff you know yeah, but I also would say, like, I kind of point at the people you've made friends with, um, you know, since since going to college and, like, you know, once you're more of a kind of a per, the person you're going to be. And um, you, you just definitely have chosen way more artistic, like, oh, yeah. di- different thinking um, people who challenge, who, who aren't be afraid to be challenged or who challenge you. Like, that that's the two things that the other part of your sword and shield thing is like that, that, that give and take, right? Like I know, I know that what you want is to be challenged sometimes, but you hate it. And then it's not often it's, but it is now it's this other time when you have your sword out. I probably shouldn't say this, but what it, part of what that is, is I know that I have to challenge you at this time because I know you're going to cut me and you're going to feel cut, but it's okay. Like that's part of what you have to go through. Like you have to go through these little battles to get to the other side. You're so sure of yourself, Sean. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm not saying that I'm never wrong. I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, that it, it, it doesn't bother me to be wrong, I guess. Maybe that's it. I don't care if I'm wrong. I don't smoke marijuana. I don't like Mary Jane. And it's, it's generally, I'm not right until after reflecting either, right? Or I'm not closer to the truth until after reflecting. Because in the moment, I don't generally know, you know, when we're having the conversation. It's not like I'm having an epiphany. See, I don't, I mean, this is just each of us analyzing each other. I don't think that um, you're actually right. But I think that your mindset of believing that you're right helps you function at a high level because it gives you that confidence in your ability to like take on the world. And I think so it like, uh, it like helps you as a person. Yeah. You don't have to I, I, worry about all the shit cause you've already figured it out, you know? I, but I don't think I, I actually, I think that's where I, I don't want to say that people get confused, but I maybe where maybe my exuding confidence is wrong is that I, I don't actually, think that I'm right. It's just, I don't care if I'm wrong because I, I, if I'm wrong, I've already have a few ideas about what it could be if I'm wrong. Right. And then if I'm wrong, I just shift. And and that's kind of what I was saying before about why it's easier for me to right now too, because I'm not worried about whether Trump's going to jail or whether this fourth prosecution is the one, or I, I don't care. I'm going to let it play out and then I'm going to make a decision on what to do next. Right. And that's, that's really the big difference. It, so that seems confident and cocky or whatever you want to call it, but it's not, it's just me saying, well, I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't, I don't, and a lot of other people are just not, I think a lot of people have a hard time being wrong. 
Sure. Um, and and I, I know I do too. When it comes to competition, now if we're talking about competition, I don't want to be wrong, right? And you know that about me. Yeah. That's where I, that's where I don't want to be wrong, and that's where I will fight you, like get into stupid arguments and stuff like that. But yeah, that, you're a monk. But that piece of it is that's one of my blind spots that I'm working on too. DPS classes, everybody, they got a thing in them. They have this. The world is a ladder. And if you're on a rung, that means there's somebody ahead of you and somebody behind you. What if we turn the ladder sideways, everybody? <laughs> then guess what? We're all holding hands instead. Holy shit. Competition is silly, though, Sean, right? I mean, if we really think about what it is, it's probably just a lizard brain or a monkey brain thing, right? To, to be like, who won the basketball game? Like, it's silly, right? It doesn't mean anything. Oh, that one's tough. Um, so it it is probably, I think where you're very right about that comment is it is probably one of the last pieces of the dying breath of the current way of thinking that is not Aquarian, that is not female. Um, but it is so ingrained from like thousands of years of that contemplation that i think i think you're probably right i think that they, that one that's one of the things that probably needs to get let go of and like understood more of what it means to be share to share and be equal to really be equal like move back towards that in order to move forward um i i think there is value to competition but right now i think that the amount of energy or power whatever you want to place on it is way too way too much and it has to be diminished so i think yeah i think you're right because we realized we've been burning down the basketball court the whole time we're so intensely playing to beat the <laughs> to win oh fuck, yeah. we burned it down well, I think maybe that's, we should stop playing basketball yeah like collecting all the re yeah yeah that's a big part of it right like we're just eating all the resources and all that stuff and sure i think that's a big part of what's happening right now i've ever since i was a kid i have hated male machismo so much and i've just wanted to fucking burn it down to the ground i i just you know some things in this world make me see red like where i imagine doing that thing where you sit on somebody full mount with your knees over their arms and you just start in your you know your butt right on their chest and you just start fucking wailing on them and just every thing about my childhood and about like toxic masculinity i just fucking hate it so much i just want it to go away so much and it's because it made me feel like I didn't belong. And that's the reason I hate it so much. Because every Perfect. time I held a hammer wrong, you know, somebody's like, they're going to think you're a fairy if you do that. Or because I didn't want to go hunting. And instead I wanted to play G.I. Joe. They're like, you know, those are just dolls. You may as well play with the girl next door. And I'm like, I fucking hate these people. Yeah, that's where I think the city would have saved you probably. Maybe. Or at least, at least had the opportunity to. Yeah, potentially. Right. But uh, that's a hatred that I don't know if I'm ever going to get away from. It, it always bubbles up in me. Anytime I see usually a man mm -hmm. wanting to win at something, even though it's meaningless, yeah, like it doesn't do anything, but they're still dead set on winning something, I get so fucking angry. So basically, fuck Burt Reynolds. Well, the thing about Burt is he's kind of like, usually he seems pretty nice, right? 
Like I, yeah, I have this he's... thing with guys too, where like I, I have like some guys just repulse me, and those are the tough guys who are trying to prove something. But there's ones who have this gentle calmness, and I generally get along with those. Like a good example of that would be um, our friend Liverflap. He's this huge dude, but he has this gentle calmness that makes me, you know, calm around him. But no, I think Burt Reynolds is more of the gentle, calm type of masculinity. So do you like, what's the guy from um, Jumanji? And he's been in, he's a giant and he's a gentle giant. Oh yeah. Robin Williams. No, no, no. The big bodybuilder guy. Is it muscles that you were worried about or is it just generally like the. No, it's, it's all attitude. It's all, and it's, it's false confidence. And usually false confidence comes across as um, angry and like pumped up and defensive. Like wanting to fight you. Just like somebody who's just the tough guy, you know, tough guys, right? Oh, I do know tough guys. I see them all the time. Yeah. I like to call them tough guys too. I mean, it's Joe Rogan. You know, he's a good example, right? He's a tough guy. It's Trump is a good example of like male tough guy. Tough guy. And they don't even have to be people who fight. It's just people who talk like they're the man in the room, you know? Is is Bernie Sanders a tough guy? No. No, you're not feeling like he's tough? No, I don't want to pin him down and punch him until he doesn't have a face. He's not giving you that feeling? No. But yeah, that's a... And it's this hatred that I've never really wanted to let go either. It's like sometimes I've had hatred where I'm like, I really got to let this go. It's like this one is so deep in me. And I think I, I identified with so early on because th- all the men in my life, for the most part, I was like, I want to have nothing to do with any of these people. And uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> I think I identified with it pretty early on, like men are just fucked up. And I, honestly, it's making me so happy that things are changing. I feel like I was born 20 years too early or something like that. So there's a tough girl out there now too, right? There's some tough girls out there. Does yeah. the tough girl attitude get you? No, the, I have this weird thing where it is so hard for any woman to make me uncomfortable. So like, MT, MTG is just, you're good. You're good with MTG. I don't know. But every time I see that, I think about Magic the Gathering. Yeah. No, but I, I yeah. do have this really weird thing where like women can almost do no wrong. Like a woman could come up and start messing with me or do, or just be doing anything. And very, very rarely am I threatened by or angry with, or, um, just, yeah, for some reason, I just have this trigger inside of me where with men, I'm super defensive. And with women, I give them the benefit of the doubt big time. Is it, there, do you notice any feelings below your waist and above your knees that happen when, <laughs> when this is happening? Yeah. If they are, um, depending on the, well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm just, I was going to start to objectify women. Oh uh, yeah. Talk about idea. proportions. That's a great. But no, idea. I, I, um, well, if it's the ones you like, I what, you know, what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, milfs are out there, you know, they are, I'm a, I'm a milf head. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has the things that they like. That was another thing for me too, being like, and I've mentioned this on the show several times, but not being into the macho stuff, but also being super attracted to women. I always got like super mixed signals from all the other people around me. They were like, well, if you're not macho, you must be gay. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) So (laughs) the fuck it's like already they don't like, we aren't hanging out because I don't want to hunt. I don't want to, play football and get fucking seat. I get fucking brain injury. 
and I don't want to do all these things or I don't want to fucking like guys go watch pornos. I remember that. I was like only in middle school and like somebody's older brother had a porno and all the kids were like, let's go watch a porno at Steve's house. Like what the fuck, man? These, a bunch of boys. What? Like boys are just fucking gross, man. No, dude, it's just, they were just suppressed, man. There were, I remember that happening too. And I, they, I got invited to that same thing and I was like, you guys are totally watching each other. I'm out, man. Like this, that's cool. You guys, that's, that's what you're into. But they were, it wasn't like they were admitting it, right? They were hating on it big time while they were. It was like Pence saying, can I work that stick for you? Right. And it's hey, cool, uh, like y'all do your thing, but like I'm, I, I'm not into it. Like I'm not into it, and you know, you should just admit that you are. It'd be much better for both of you, right? Um, so, like, uh, this is something I'm realizing with uh, Christianity and uh, homosexuality is they don't actually think that schools and people are grooming kids. What they think is that we're creating an environment that makes them feel safe. And they don't like that because in their mind, homosexuality is a sin. And so it has to be hidden and shamed. And that's the way they do it. That's the way Mike Pence does it. You know, he just does little innuendos like, Hey, can I work that stick for you? Tough guy. And, uh, that's the way the Christians have been taught to do it. Like there are gay people, right? It's a sin and you can't show it. You got to hide it. And so I think that's all they're doing by trying to, drive all this out and say no safe spaces are not allowed that's a shame you, you have to be like us and you know express your sexuality behind closed doors with shame yeah and then abuse children it's a good idea that's that's a really good it's a good place to lead it to um of course that's not all churches i have to start to let up a little bit on that but it's just fucking infuriating to me yeah i don't know man it's just dumb it's stupid well, it is true that you know with all the upsetness about child trafficking that like they're not looking at the church it's the church who's yelling so much about it but the mormon and the catholic church are number like one and two for sexual abuses towards children like why aren't they looking at themselves you know because then it would have to stop they have to admit a lot of things and it'd be uncomfortable i think my big thing one thing i'm learning with my parents where i try to tell them this stuff about like i didn't actually have a very fun childhood i was pretty miserable, um, is that they just can't handle the guilt. I think, you know, a lot of them just can't handle like the guilt. Well, think about what it means, right? Like, especially if you're trying to lead, lead the life of, of going to heaven. Right. And then you have to constantly remind yourself that you're never going to go if you really add it all up, because there's too many things that humans do innately to fuck that up. Even your thoughts, you're fucked. Sorry. You're totally fucked. Right. So it's, I don't know, it's a silly game. And, you know, the thing I try to tell people is that there's, in my mind, there is no omnipotent, uh, all powerful, all knowing thing that, that would cause us to go through some weird mouse trap, mouse maze in order to possibly get to the food. Why? That's so incredibly. And if that is the case, then I don't want nothing to do with that. Nothing. Right. The only explanation is that uh, if in that case is that like God is a bad evil thing, right? And that's just, that's just so, fucking with us, right? That's ridiculous. It's so it's ridiculous. like it's like a kid who's burning ants type of deal, you know? 
yeah with a magnifying and glass i i have t- lots of spirituality and there's tons of connection and i believe in higher power and all the rest of that but like that to the extent that it's um leading us you know to this uh potential of going to someplace absolutely horrible and i've told i've told you this before like i'm not i'm not so sure that this isn't heaven and that everything oh, that we God ascribe to it, it is this is, is fucking this. heaven dude i'm i'm so upset <laughs> I'm so fucking pissed if this is heaven. Well, I'm going to help you get to the right mindset then. Oh, uh, Sean, you had a nice childhood. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. But look at, look at, let me put it to you this way. Can I ask you a question? No. Would you be able to provide the life that you have for your child without having the childhood that you had? No. And that's the reason I wouldn't want to change with everybody, anybody, but. Like, I, I truly believe that Eric needed you and Christy to be his right. parents, right? Right. And, and how perfect of a thing is Eric, right? And so Eric is the thing that gets to take us to the next place because Eric and, and the person that he loves and, and the, the persons that they decide to raise are going to bring about the next thing of change, right? And the only way that happens is if you go through what you had to go through. And I know it sucks and I'm sorry but you are the person you are because of it. And you are that thing is needed in this world. And, and unfortunately that's just the truth. Um, yeah. You, that pain that you bring with you is needed because that also brings this incredible amount of love that you have a harder time seeing, but you also exude into the world on a consistent basis because that's the filter by which you choose to put things back. Yeah, that all makes sense. <clears throat> and I can talk about it now because we've come out, uh, to our extended family my son is gays came out to us three years ago now and um as a boyfriend who's actually here right now and uh yeah my our religious families had very mixed responses you know what i mean and that's always extremely hard and i remember uh i told another person who who is queer uh that our son came out and that you know we were it was almost like a nothing burger to us we were just like okay and it just made this other queer person start crying and breaking down and just being like, I'm so happy that your son got to have that experience of just being like, oh, okay, that's who you are. That's fine. Um, and uh, so I, I feel you there. I definitely feel you there. And I'm, and it's this push and pull of like wanting him to have an extended family, but knowing that they don't accept him and that they will always want to change him. That makes me want to shelter him from them very much. Because they do it in insidious little ways. They don't just come out and say it. They say it in little fucking turns of phrases that drive me nuts, you know? Little judgments. <laughs> yeah, but I know you know this, but Eric's just way too fucking smart for that, man. Like, he's... Oh, it's, it's, I'm not worried about... I'm worried about him feeling bad, right? Because they know how to make somebody feel bad. I'm not worried about him feeling like, oh, I'm wrong or I should change. I'm worried about him being like, oh, this person doesn't like me. Because they are very good at that. Yeah. I, I think that's your thing, but I, I'm not going to try to get involved in parenting with you. That I mean, that's not that's not my place at all. But yeah, I, I you're think probably that's, right. I think that's more of your thing than his. No, I think you're right, and he just has a good foundation where I think you're right. He just more lets it slide off his back. Yeah, he's, his his uh, big thing is he just doesn't want to talk about it with them. He's like, we yeah. shouldn't have to. It's not like yeah, you had to ex- come out as straight, you know. 
<laughs> I totally agree. I think he's, I think there's, he's just so much further ahead than we are in the conversation, even on our right. own minds, right? Like, he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't owe you shit. I don't have to, I don't have to tell you anything about my sexuality or who I like or why oh, I like them. I mean, speaking if you, of this, if, we have you know. to start doing this, Sean. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you have to come out as gay, but you don't have to come out as straight, which is just stupid if you think about it. Absolutely same, stupid. Same thing when people say <clears throat> like, oh, I went to a female doctor or like somebody denotes somebody's female. Let's just start doing that if people are male. <laughs> well, we do it with people's colors and stuff too and the races in there, right? Oh, right. My, my Asian friend, my black friend. Right. I want to start saying uh, my, my male, male doctor. Friend. I do it yeah. to people. I do it to people. Any, anytime somebody's in a high position of power, like start saying this male congressman. Or something oh, like that. That, that white that white male Elon Musk. Right. Instead of like calling out people who are the minority or by the unexpected, right? Because that's what we've always done. We've said this female doctor because it's like, oh, that's weird, right? A female doctor, a Can female call- breadwinner, you know, all this stuff. And so <laughs> it's funny to like flip it and see how people react, you know? They generally don't. <laughs> they generally don't like it too much. But oh well. Have you listened to any new good comedians lately? New good comedians. Yeah, like Matt Rife is out there pretty popular right now. No, not Matt Matt Rife. Um no, I don't think I can really think of any new comedians that um that I've been watching. And then there's a young lady, I'm not going to be able to remember her name, but she does like interviews with really famous people and they seem pretty straight, but they're actually pretty funny. Are you talking about the British lady who like asks ridiculous questions? She she did one with Drake recently and um, like it's in his bed. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's pretty funny. Yeah. She's pretty good. Um, You watch any good TV lately? You into uh, Murder in the Building? Nope, but that's Hulu or Apple. It's one that I don't have, I think. Um, good TV. Well, my wife is always watching uh, Critical Role and Dimension 20, like almost 24 hours. If she is, if there's something on the TV for her, it's usually one of those things. So I always ingest that secondhand. Um, I've been going to a lot of Goodwills and garage sales lately, and I've been picking up a lot of DVDs for like $1 to $2 a piece. And Eric and I have been going back and watching uh, a bunch of old movies. Oh, my God. So last night, uh, we watched, um, Billy Elliot and Eric didn't know anything about it. His boyfriend didn't know anything about it. Um, his boyfriend lives in a whole nother town hours away. So we just make him sleep in different rooms and he comes and visits or whatever. Um, they were fucking blown away by Billy Elliot and I cried so hard. Oh my God. I fucking lost it. That is such a good movie. Um, it's a good one. That's a pretty good one. That reminds me, though, you just brought a memory to it. We're going to talk video games here for a second, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. You, might, you might want to leave the room. or. Oh, and I started just... to watch Undone, which I mentioned to you before was a show of how to deal with trauma. Yep. And you were like, why are you worrying about trauma? Age of Aquarius or whatever. <laughs> but um, So Undone is amazing. It's this show about this girl who um, is like uh, this girl who's like... Um, almost bipolar in the the way we would look at her, but actually she's like a shaman and that uh, like every third generation of women in her family have this like prophetic way of seeing things. 
and uh, she's in a car accident and it's kind of making her split even more where she's basically through quantum physics is starting to be able to like time travel and be anywhere all at once and using her dead father as her guide who's Bob Odenkirk and it's all animated and it's amazing. I'm really, really liking it. Okay, might check that out. It's a good one. Yeah, that's a uh, Amazon uh, <laughs> Prime, and it's um two seasons right now. Hey, you better start going backwards and watching stuff because we might not be getting any new stuff for a while after this uh, summer ends and the fall hits. Well, yeah, wow. and I mean there there was like after COVID, like there was a dead spot in entertainment. Like it was shitty for a year or two. You know, like shit wasn't coming out because nothing was being made, and then all a bunch of good shit came out, like beef you know, that Netflix series and all this different cool stuff. And then all of a sudden now it's going to stop again. Yep. 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 Um, yep. so I, uh, I dove in to Baldur's Gate, um, and Baldur's Gate three came out and, uh, it's a turn-based game. For those of you who've never played it, it is D and D platform. Um, it follows the rules pretty darn closely. If not, this is the best I've actually seen it follow them. It is pretty much like playing a fifth edition campaign. Um, and, you know, you you are in a an open world, but it's fairly linear. Uh, it does get a little bit more open as you move through it. Like I'm only really in the second area and it seems to get a little bit bigger. So you have a few more choices, but still it's not like um, a large, fast area to move around in uh, and search for things. But there are some things like that. Uh, and then there's gear and all that stuff and very D&D related. Uh, so far, it's been a lot, a lot of fun. When you're out of combat, you're not in turns. But when you get into combat, you're in turns and there's initiative based. So it's Final Fantasy seven. It's uh, yeah, it's similar to that. It's it's as close to uh, D&D as I've seen in a, in a minute, though. Um, it's actually kind of grabbed me. Um, and uh, it's interesting. I didn't think it would happen, but it's um it's good. It's a good game. And the, the graphics are really amazing. So Beautiful. I've heard there's controversy around it right now because it's so good. Um, it's not made by one of the huge companies uh, and everybody loves it so much. And everybody loves it because you don't have to like pay extra money for like skins and extra dungeons. They just give you the entire game and the entire game is great. And it, so people love it so much that all the major studios have actually come out and made statements to say, do not expect this from us. <laughs> like, no, we will still charge you to get all the dungeons and we will still charge you for skins and don't expect us to be as good as Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> well, uh, I, you know what, for the price they, I, I was going to say that and I'm not very deep at all, but they did a phenomenal job. They really did just the, the way the gameplay is the, it's exciting. It's very tactical. Um, it's really well done. Very well done. And I haven't even got into spellcasting yet, so I can't. Oh I my can, goodness! I can hardly wait. I played a rogue to start Multi-class. off with. Multi class, one level of rogue, please. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be diving into that for a little bit for sure. That's tight. Um, it That's is multiplayer too, which which I don't. I, I kind of am interested to see how that works, but uh, I'm not. I'm not pushing it on you. I'm just saying. Uh, don't push there, on me, Sean. There's, <laughs> there is that avenue, if you so desire. Um, I'm still enjoying magic though too. So you're not over your midlife crisis? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, I no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I am. I I, I think that the other piece of my midlife crisis that we never got to. Um, is that, you know, I have this 
really deep desire to find some piece of land um, or property that has fresh water accessible um, that I can get like physically get into. So it can't just be like a creek or a stream. Uh, I want it to be a lake ideally. Um, and then I, you know, even more ideally would be a, a larger piece of, you know, let's say five plus five to 10 acres of land with a stream and a lake um, on my property. I so think I've, Northern Minnesota, I think there's 10,000 lakes in Minnesota and that's actually an underestimation. It's something like 11,000. Yeah, not not in Minnesota, probably here in California. So that I've been focusing a lot of my attention recently on trying to find this piece of property and doing, you know, trying to find it for a reasonable price and so that that's taking some time. It's going to take a couple of years probably. What's that process like? And the first thing I do is start to look at what areas are enticing. And then the next step is to like whittle that down to two or three places. Right now I have it pretty much decided where, where the area is. And where's that? Uh, it's, it's a lake called clear Lake, which just happens to be the best bass fishing lake in all of California. It's a very large lake. Um, it's about three and a half, four hours from where I currently live. North. Mm hmm. Um, it's about two hours from where I currently work. So part of the thought process there is like on a long weekend, like this weekend, normally we would like my wife and Kay could just be up there on a Friday and I could just meet them there after work and it would be the same distance for me to drive. And then we could have a nice long weekend. In a, oh, you're thinking in, about buying a second property. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to rent it out for most of the year too. And then. I'm looking at passive income as, as part of my retirement and getting me to retirement faster. So um, yeah, a big part of that thought process about trying to buy this place is having me not have to work anymore. Not that I don't love work, but... Do you love work? I do. I actually think my job... I'm, I'm, I'm so lucky, man. I'm so lucky with what I get to do. Um, and I know that I make a difference, but... Um, I know that that's limited also when I'm honest with myself. And so if I really want to be effective at what I do, then that means eventually I have to either move up or move out and move on and let other people take that responsibility. So um, it also is my mental state of just been doing this for a long time and I'm ready to stop doing. Well, and uh, cooking is one of the, well, I've heard running a restaurant. I don't know if it's cooking in general, but it like cuts years off your life, decades even if you're like a restaurant manager, right? I mean, it can. I don't. I don't think it has in my case. God, I hope not. I hope it hasn't in my case. I I I learned pretty early on, I think, to be a different type of of yeah. chef. But uh, um, and I, like I said, I've been super lucky to be able to find a place that allows me to be that person. Um. Yeah, like I think about Jimbo, for example, oh up God. in Alaska and like such a cool, kind person. But like there was like a fire and a rage inside him that you almost need to run a place like that where he could be a mean bastard and he could really be, a, I don't know, just like I can see like he just had to be a shithead sometimes. And like it because it's just crazy to try to make a place work like that. And you... 
I don't know. You, I'm, you, you would describe it way better than I am. I've just noticed that if you're going to have a successful restaurant, you can be as nice as you want, but you're going to be a fucking maniac tyrant too. Yeah, I think I, the best way for me to describe it is just, just imagine letting someone into your house every day and then trusting them to like take care of it and do the right thing to it. And Well, isn't that any employee though? Why do restaurant managers get so much worked up over it than like somebody who's running a stationary sales store? You know what I mean? Well, for him, he was the chef owner, right? right. So it, it was his, he owned the property, he owned the restaurant, he, he, that but was But I'm saying his, that, that could be yeah. uh, any type of business. What is it about food mm-hmm. that ramps up the stress so much? Because I think that the, the margin for error is so extremely small that if you fail in any way to, to make the amount you need to do, like, you know, you lose three customers, that couldn't make or break you. <laughs> So then that's, this is what I've always wondered. Why do so many people do it then? There's these so many stats about how almost always every restaurant fails, like restaurant managers have years taken off their life. Like, and I don't know if that's a stat, but I've just seen it. I've seen people's hair turn gray when they start to try to manage a restaurant or open one. And Mm -hmm. why do people keep doing it though? It's like, everybody knows it's fucking horrible, but you still see restaurants, new restaurants popping up all over the place. I've even had friends who still want to open one. I'm like, are you nuts? That's like the worst thing you could do. Yeah. I mean, I, I blame it on, I blame it on TV mostly, but, um, cause they just gave everybody this false sense of like, oh my God, it's like being a movie star. Uh, but, um, that's part of it. It's also the personality types that you get. You get highly motivated, highly artistic. Um, but you know, it depends. There's like, there's the, the two main things. I think there's the, those that are driven to be the very best. And so it can be a highly competitive place, right? Which is, if that's what they're looking for, then that, that that's definitely provided. Um, and then you add in all the other drugs and alcohol and everything that comes along with it in the, in the, in the, in the real world, uh, cooking areas that's that's pretty common right so you just kind of add all that stuff up and you get people who are um highly motivated to get to the very top of that chain so that they can um make that mythical money and have that mythical fame which is kind of just a you know that percentage is it's like trying to make a football team or a basketball team it's just like whatever percentage of the people that try make it right so it's only the very best of the very best of the very best. Do you think there's a lot of Americans in general who like think they might still be a millionaire or a billionaire? I hear this a lot, but I have a hard time believing it that like really a lot of people truly think that they might be. Because like one of the arguments of like, hey, we should tax billionaires and millionaires way more is like, well, what if I become one? It's like, well, you're not going to. But all right. Um, uh do you think that there's still a lot of Americans who are like, no, I could be, I could have like 50 million bucks, be like half a billionaire. Like that's a possibility for me. And so that's one of the reasons they don't like the idea of taxing it so much. Mm. I don't, I think there's two things there. One is that they don't really, yeah, they don't understand who, what, who that, like who that, who's actually being taxed. And how that would actually affect them, like what actual percentage of their income that would mean. Like, so it's just a fear of the unknown type deal. I think so. I think it's in, 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 like, if you look at it when it gets said as like a percentage and they apply that percentage to their own life and how it would affect them, I think that's just something that happens inherently. 
I think that's I'm thinking more of just from. the thing of I think a lot of Americans have this pipe dream that they can become rich. And but I, if they, I, that might be true, but I think if they understood that logically, then they would also say, well, that percentage, if they understood how much of that money it was actually taking away, they'd be like, it's it's nothing. I wouldn't. Right. Why would I care? Yeah, but you I, know. Then again, I learned the other day uh, the actual president that took away the tax cut. So we used to tax the top 1% earners in America. 70% was their tax bracket. They would pay 70% in taxes. It's Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. I thought we did it before that. I thought it was like Nixon or something who cut it. But nope, it was uh, Reagan who uh, slashed it down to like 28%, I think, from 70. Imagine how happy rich people were with Reagan. They went from paying a 70% tax to a 28% tax. Uh, Trickle-down trickle down economics. That worked really good, too. Yeah. They bust the unions up with Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, put the, put the money at the top and let it trickle down. Yeah. And what's crazy about Reagan is everybody loved him. Like fucking kids voted for him. This is a this is a thing that uh, is a misnomer. People think that all kids just vote Democratic. That's the way it goes, and that's the way I thought it was for a bit too. But if you actually look back in history, it it always changes. Kids are more of a swing voter. Like kids were very into Ronald Reagan. No way. Are you serious? Yeah, kids loved, they him. loved I mean, him. He won every state but one. He won every yeah. state but Minnesota. Won by Dukakis, I think it was. Yeah, he won a landslide. It was not close in '84. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Jimmy Carter, one of our possibly one of our best presidents, but he had to increase the um he had to increase the interest rate so much because Nixon put us in such a bad spot financially and he everybody made him pay the price for it. And well, he, like, did, he didn't. Man, but yeah, but that it does happen. The Fed did it. Right. But yeah, yeah. It, it had to Got happen. Blamed everybody blamed him. him. Everybody yeah. blamed him for like the seventeen percent interest rates because Nixon fucked everything up. Sounds so like pretty familiar Reagan. to now. Sounds like what, what, what happened <laughs> right right this next coming year. Yeah. Nixon was in a bad spot because they were losing so much money like because of the Vietnam War and stuff that I guess he just like printed a bunch of money or something. You ever hear of something like that happening before? Yep. Yeah. Especially when there's a huge uh, outbreak, then we have to save people. I've heard uh, um, that... Uh, the mask is now like the uh, the left's version of the American flag for the right. Like if on the right you wear an American flag on your shirt to let them know where you stand. I've heard people on the left say, this is how we're going to know who each other is. Like don't wear it with shame, wear it with pride. Wear the mask with pride so we know who each other are. We know who the smart, educated people are is what they've said. I, I mean, I it, it's funny. I, I work in a place and I live in a place where um, there's a big mix of people, right? And so... I don't know. I, it it's interesting right now. I, I, right, I, what I see happening right now more more than I have in a long time is is like the these uh, the ideas we'll call them or the the principles that that make up the bases are being like some of them are being thrown back into the pot and stirred around and like trying to be decided on right now. I find it fascinating in both parties. Example. Exactly what you just said. I think it's um, <clears throat> people are trying to make a decision on whether or not um, like abortion too, right? Like everybody got super concerned when Roe versus Wade went down and like there's all these states that were going to do these things. But and some have some have put some some legitimate concerns in place, but there's a lot of places that have just been like, nope, we're not doing that where people thought for sure it would happen, right? 
So it's it just, I, I think that in general, people are just better than we give them credit for, even in the mass, like the large masses. Now, the Roe v. Wade thing threw me for a loop a little bit there. Are you saying that it wasn't such a big deal as people thought it would be? Because it feels to me like it's an enormous deal. You have like uh, counties in Texas now saying that if you drive a person out of their county to get an abortion, you are now can be charged by other citizens with trafficking, for example. Like, I know it's not affecting California, but like, I would say that it's had an enormous impact. No, I'm saying that I, I think it has has had less of an impact than people originally thought it would, as widespread as people thought it would. And I think it's been not that it hasn't been impactful in certain areas. That's true, but in, even in most of those areas, a lot of that stuff is being pushed back. And like I said, like for instance, Kansas City, when the first thing came down there, and they were like, "Nope, we're not doing that," right? right? And and everybody thought for sure, "Oh, here we go. Here's the first domino to fall." And that's just not what happened. Like. Yes, of course, there are some places where, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not yeah, trying to it, say. You're just, a, you're glass half full, I think is what I'm realizing here is like, as all these bad things are happening, you're like, but look at this good thing. And the rest of us are like, are you fucking like minimizing the fact that women can't get abortion in Texas anymore? And you're like, no, just look at the good thing. Uh, well, it's also, don't forget that, that, you know, when, when we're playing chicken little, when we're playing the part of chicken little, which I don't think is a bad thing, you have to you have to have some indication of what's happening and going on. Right. Like, but when right before it happens, everybody said the entire world's falling, the entire world, every state is going to, Oh my God. Right. And then that didn't happen. And no one comes back and says, okay, whew, that didn't happen. Now let's look at the things that did. That's not what happens. Right. It's still, Oh my God, the whole world is dying. The whole world is dying. It's like, but wait a minute, look at all the positive, look at, Oh my God, there's so many, it might even be more positive things that happen that you didn't anticipate than the negative things that happened that you anticipated, but you're not even willing to look at those things. You're not even willing to say, Oh my God, why don't we look at those things? And then you can still like be, get involved in the places where it's bad and you feel like it needs to change. Great. Awesome. Then focus your attention on that and be happy about the things that have changed. And even maybe take a look at how they've changed and say, oh, well, look, maybe we can do more of that over here. Bok, bok, chicken. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to be confrontational. Oh, I know. It's easy. It's the easier part. Is it easy? It is. It's the easier part to be mad and to be, like you said, it's, I, I'm not saying that you don't, you shouldn't be done. And I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that you shouldn't be doing it right now. I think you should. No, confrontational with you. You can be confrontational with me. It's fine. So I would say that this is what it might look f from the outside. <laughs> it's like, we have somebody who's like about to buy a second huge property in California who things are going pretty well for saying things are fine. While a lot of people are, things are getting much worse. So give me an explanation. Like tell, oh. tell me someone, you know, who it's getting much worse for. Well, I don't, I don't know that many people, but I know how laws are changing. It's not like they're necessarily my friends. I know. 
Right, but those laws are changing in places where democratically the people that live there, the majority of the people who live there, want them to be that way. So, okay, that explain to me why that's a bad thing in a democracy. I, you're, I just don't think that marginalizing, you know, like queer people or women is a good thing, even if it isn't a democracy. I don't either, but it's it is what we agree to do in a democracy. Yeah, but our our democracy is not working, you know, and I don't know. I um I'd, I'd hate to blame it on the people who like voted to say, "Oh, it's your fault, women and queer people that this is happening because this is how the democracy works." I just don't see a world where that's a good thing. Well, okay, so then it's got to be then a dictatorship where someone decides for us because otherwise we can't there's I don't know what the other option is. Like you just got to think- have an I think you're person. right. If you ask kids now um, what they think of a democracy, most kids say a democracy does not work. Yeah, I, I, that's where I would disagree. It I doesn't work for everybody, but it's not supposed to. I know. I'm just saying that from an outside perspective, I, I think that there's a lot of young people who think the world is getting worse, who actually think that the democracy is broken because we have too many stupid people in America because our education system has been ripped apart by the right, by like allowing kids to shoot them up. So they're dangerous places that kids don't want to go to by defunding them. So they can't do a good job anymore by, you know, making it easier to go to all these different types of schools, these charters and whatnot. They're intentionally making kids dumb because smart people don't vote for Republicans. Yeah, that that seems to me like a, is equally conspiracy theory as like Pizzagate or that's that's not a conspiracy theory at all I mean they just know that uh but I'm talking about who's to blame for it or or the fact that we we all when we do that my my, in my opinion when we do that we all take our own responsibility and our own decision making and our own choices out of it Like we all have the option to get involved and make change, right? Yeah. That's the whole point of democracy. Yeah. But a lot of us, and I'm including myself 100% in this, I'm not putting this on anyone else. I'll just say, I do it all the time, complain about things in other places that don't affect me, right? Not in my city, not in my town. And I, that's where I think if you really look at it, most people have a hard time with what's actually happening in democracy is we look across a country and we go, yeah, but that's not right for it to happen there. And I'm like, well, do you live there? No. Do you know the people that live there? No. How the fuck do you know that then? Well, I mean, it's okay to look at another area and be like, there's atrocities happening over there, you know, and like that shouldn't happen. Like a parent shouldn't be able to hire a company to kidnap their kid and turn them ungay in Missouri, but it can, it's the law. Parents are allowed to do that. But you would um, agree that there are parents that, that there are parents who love their children who believe that that it's absolutely wrong for them to get some sort of thing that would change their sexuality in any way, right? I'm not saying it's right, but there are parents who literally think that that's 100% yeah, true. But I don't and, care anymore about those parents. I would rather those parents die than subject their kids to what they're doing. But do you understand that they could feel the same way? Yes. And so therefore we have an, we have a place where, how do you decide who's right in that situation? I'm right. (laughs) Okay. 
Okay. I can't disagree with you. I, I cause I think you're right too. Yeah. No, in this case I'm right. And, um, and yeah. so then, then there's an ultimate truth here. That's basically what we're getting to. You're, you're giving me an example of something that you would consider to be an ultimate truth. Uh, that's a little too far. Ultimate truth. That's a big word. I would say well, that I, I believe something. Okay, ultimate yeah, truth but, would, would again say that, you know, everybody has to believe it or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what you're saying, because otherwise you would be able to hold the fact equally that this person could have the opposite idea and be tr- be right too, which you, which I know you can because you talk about it all the time, right? And you... you, you and that's, that's, and that's what, fine, but it's because they're dumb. It's because they were uneducated. They were raised <laughs> through fear, right? But they, they say the same thing about you. Yep. Dumb people can't realize they're dumb. Right. Or, or if like you don't have a connection to God, right? That's what they would, that's what they would chalk it up to. They would say, you just right. don't, you haven't, you haven't been studied in the Bible. You don't understand religion. Right. I think we're in agreement and saying that, yeah, they believe they're right. I, I agree with you. Yeah, no, I but think I, I'm not okay with saying like, oh, in America, there's some states that are okay with doing that. And you're right. Like, I don't know what I'm actually doing other than spouting it off on this podcast and talking about it. But it sounds like you're saying I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't be allowed to do that because things are going well in my life. So why should I complain about this other state that's sending kids to gay farms to, you know, starve them and shit like that? Like, that seems like just like turn in the other eye when atrocities are happening, you know? Well, it's a, it's perspective. It's an atrocity to you and it's a necessity for them. And this, and this gets down to what, again, to me, what the real question about what is democracy and, and what do we, if we live in a place where the majority of the people make the laws for the land, right. Then, and we look at that and say, I don't agree. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Then you can make the, you have the option to speak out and to go and try to make change. Right. Right. And even but, in espe- and especially when it affects other people, right? That's where th- this is where the crux of the conversation always goes to is because now we're talking about okay, it's not it's not how it affects me, it's how it's affecting others, right? And so, and then we say, and look, these people that live there who don't agree with these folks are being forced to live under these conditions. And I, I go, yes, you're right. And that's also true in the places where it is allowed and you're religious and there's nothing you can do about it to change it. That's exactly the same thing, except that when you're in those places and you agree with it, when you're a part of the structure, which you've talked about before too, it's not noticeable to you. You don't worry about it. It's only in the places that you disagree with that you point out and say, that's wrong and I don't agree with it. Yeah. I don't know. I think we might be at an impasse on this one. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I actually like the fact that I think that you found an unbreakable truth for you. I think that's a fantastic thing. To me, to me, that's a great thing. I think that's huge. Thanks, Sean. I do. I think it means it means a lot. I, I I find it uplifting. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You it's want, almost well, like it's almost you, like you want me to go somewhere and you're happy I'm going there. Like you want to be a guide or something. Like no. you have an idea of where you want me to end up. No, I think that you've just made it very clear so much that you 
don't do that, that it, and that you're so capable of holding things to be co-true, that here's an example where that's not the case. And when that happens, I think that's, it's, I, okay. It's less to do with true at this point. Truth is out the window at this point. It's just rage and protection, right? At this point, it's not truth. It's me protecting my, the younger version of myself right? To make sure that never happens to another kid. It doesn't matter if it's truth. It's like survival. And I'm trying to help other people survive the way I tried to survive. It's more tribalism than truth. I would say I'm identifying with all the queer kids there because I was a feminine kid growing up in Michigan. And I probably would have gotten fucking sent to one of these places if it was, you know, modern day or close to it. Cause I have an extremely religious family, you know? <clears throat> So to me, it's not truth. Like I understand there might be a world where like being gay is actually wrong or whatever. And God feels that way and they're right or whatever. It's, the truth doesn't matter anymore. The fact that they're hurting somebody makes me just want to pummel them, you know? I would say it's more anger and protection than anything else. Same for the women in the States that, you know, they're being forced to have kids and then go through shitty education systems. Yeah. Yep. Fucking pummel them, Sean. Pummel time. (laughs) It's an interesting time. So what do you think of that? That it's not truth so much as it's a uh, revenge, anger, battle. Does he feel, you still feel good about me? <laughs> I, I mean, revenge, anger, battle. I, I, to me, it's all the same. It's, it's, the, it's just the other side of the coin to me. It's, it, it's what perpetuates this forever. Right. So it doesn't, I can try to glean as much light as I want to, to the subject and say, I I believe that people do want to live in a democracy because I I think the beautiful thing about a democracy is that it's constantly allowed to change. And so we can, we can know for sure that at some point that that won't be the case. The young people do not agree with you. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're right. They, but there they, does seem yeah. to be a shift right now in um in the acceptance of democracies. They they, they yeah they don't they couldn't because they just haven't been around long enough to see to to watch the change take place right like yeah I mean, dumb kids fucking idiots you kids don't get it I mean, fucking idiots <laughs> there's just there's been there's been a lot of change right even since we were born right I mean like like my like the person that you alluded to before. Most likely, you know, even though we came up in a time where it was starting to be more understood, right? Um, but I mean, the the conversation was there. We were having the conversation. There was less focus on it. By the time your kids come through school now, they're able to have full conversations about it at school socially, and it's not it's not nearly a thing. Yeah. No, it's definitely getting better. That's for sure. And I do believe true also that this is more of a last gasp. I don't think they're going to win. 
Well, I think we're going to win, but I don't think we're going to win through apathy and understanding and patience. I don't think but, that's how these things work. But I don't, I guess I just don't hear you say that. I, what I oftentimes, what I hear you saying is so much of the other side of it, which is that, like you just said, it's this hate and fight. And so I, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's, it, it's, and you said it's to protect yourself, right? You're, you don't feel like it's trying to protect your child, right? You feel, you feel like you've put your child in a place to, to do that for themselves, I would assume. Well, I'm just saying I'm projecting. The, the reason I'm so protective of queer people in general is because I feel like I came, you know, a hair's... I was very able to identify with them as a kid, even though I wasn't queer. I was treated like I was queer, you know, and I was way more feminine. I didn't like all the boy stuff. So I very much identify. So whenever I see him being marginalized, I, yeah, I, I identify and protect. Yeah, I don't, and, I, I don't. and I feel for them. It's not like I'm literally protecting me, but I'm saying that it's my experiences that brought me there. Yeah. I don't, I don't have it. I don't think there's any issue with that at all. I think that's totally fine. And so I think, I think it's just different people are required in this world. If everybody was like, me right it'd probably go a bad place but then what i'm saying about you is you're more of a just sit back and watch and don't do anything and i'm saying if the world was full of you then hitler would have been able to do whatever he wanted because nobody would have pushed back at him right it takes people being like no we're gonna stop we're gonna stop (laughs) we're not gonna let things go the way they're going and i think it's important that both types of people exist because we need people like you to be like let's stay calm let's not overreact but I think there's also important to have people like me who are like, no, I see red and I want to take that person who's, you know, keeping that woman in their county and not letting them leave and making them come to term. And I want to, you know, crush their face, you know, and I think both types are important during a change like this. And it's, I don't... it's not necessary that one of us changes the other person be like, you should be more like me. It's again, it's that teamwork thing. I, no, I definitely think that there should be less of people like me. And, um, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think that it works without teamwork for sure. Like I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that, um, you're like uh, here, like the soldiers come back from war <clears throat> and they're traumatized and they need to talk to somebody and relax. That's you. You're in the shaman room. You hand them the pipe, right? You might give them a little tea to drink. There might be something in it. And you're like, dude, let's just talk. There's a world after this, you know, and I think that's your role. You're more of like the shaman who's guiding people, but the world needs angry soldiers too, you know? It does. I think the part where I get, you're absolutely right about that, but the part where I get, uh, the part that frustrates me is that people don't see what I do as a fight. Mm. And that part is the worst lost piece of the struggle to me because it's not only that the people that are fighting that I'm fighting with, it's the people who are losing the fight who I'm fighting right. with. Right. You're, I think you're thinking like, uh, I tend to think you're thinking like three steps ahead. You're like, yeah, but if we fight them too hard here, they're going to be marginalized and then they're going to be the ones and then baba, baba, baba. And I, maybe you're looking for more balance. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem. It, it, it's, that's always the problem for me. That right. is my that's, biggest, that's my weakness. So it may sound like sometimes you're defending the quote unquote bad guys because you don't want them to be marginalized too much. 
or or I'm challenging you as the person who is making this this thing that this statement that I actually agree with, and I'm and I'm that happens all the time. And and even when I start off by saying, which I almost always do, I totally agree with you, or you're absolutely right about this. People don't hear that because by the third sentence, I've already started to show them where I'm struggling, and then they're like pissed because I'm struggling and not just wholeheartedly yes yesing them. Sure. And and that that's a that's one of the major things I struggle with in my career too, is just, I'm not a yes man. And if I see any inefficiencies with whatever it is you're asking or telling me to do, I want to have a conversation about it. Not because I think you're wrong, but because I'm trying to embedder myself. And I think that is where people get so confused by me. Right. And it sucks. I hate it. Fucking <laughs> hate it. I really fucking hate it. Cause I, it's, I'm, I am just super inquisitive. Like I'm just very, the depth of understanding that I want to get to is just so much farther than anyone really even wants to attempt to go to most of the time that it's just frustrates the fuck out of me. I think you've mentioned this answer before, but just uh, for me to clarify, you don't want to see a therapist and talk about this stuff because you feel like you're already to the point they are and you understand everything they understand. Is that correct? I mean, I've, I, I, I could maybe there's, I'm sure there's people out there that could completely help me. But I mean, even when I talk to you, like people who've known me in my whole life, right? You're like, yeah, you're talking Sean talk, right? And it's not like you're the first person to say that to me. And I'll, I'll, ta- I'll, I'll say something for like, for like three or four minutes straight where I think I've completely explained something in detail to the point where there's no way you couldn't understand me. And again, my wife- Well, you tangent. You tangent. It's like you're thinking about something different than I am. I'll be talking about one thing and then I'll be like, what is he talking about right now? And you may explain it well, but I'm like, how the fuck did we get here? Right. But to me, so again, not to me, right? <laughs> so I, you're, I'm not saying you're wrong, uh, but um, sometimes if, it makes sense. It's almost like maybe sometimes you, maybe you skip a step of this is how we're getting from here to here. Because sometimes I'll step back and I'll be like, oh, we'll talk about it some more. And I'm like, oh, I see why you got there. Like, oh, you're trying to make this point, but sometimes in the moment, I'm just so confused. I'm like, I thought we were talking about this, and now you're talking about this. Yeah, I don't know. I got I got issues for sure. But Sometimes I think you're just born in a – same where, like, I wish I was m- more in the millennial age because then maybe I wouldn't have gotten so much shit for, you know, not liking to shoot a deer. And, uh, God, sitting in a deer stand, Sean, is the most boring fucking thing in the world. Here, you want a chaw? Keep you busy? <laughs> what the fuck? A try to keep me busy? <laughs> what the shit are we doing here? We're just going to sit. <laughs> what? How long? Could be five hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can we talk? Nope. Uh-huh. You men don't like to talk about your feelings, do you? Nope, we're not talking the whole time. There's some definitely some suppressed stuff going on there, Jeff. We're not talking the whole time. We're, we're just going to kill something. We're going to sit gonna in a very, something. very small box that no one else can see into and only yeah. we can see out of. We're just going to sit in here all day. Now, if we're lucky, we'll kill something that we're not even going to eat, but we're going to tell everybody, we're going to show everybody pictures that we killed a really big thing. What? Wait, why are you doing that? Is it to make you feel tough? To make you think that you're actually tougher than a bear? Do you feel like you have a lack of control in this world, sir? Because what is it? inside of the you that makes you want to kill this majestic fucking bear not to eat it but to what i don't man for me sean that's almost the pinnacle trophy um 
trophy hunting, the pinnacle of false male confidence where I'm like, I just want to crush all of that. Would you ever get into hunting if it meant you could poop in in the pooper of whatever animal you killed? Like if you could poop in the bear's no. butt, would you? Sounds horrible. I but do I like thought... being outside. Being outside is the only nice thing. Like nature what if you is could... wonderful. What if you could just like like stun it enough that you could ride it around? So like deer, put a saddle on it, bear, just We should just it. leave animals the fuck alone, right? Stop buying fish for your house. Stop <laughs> opening new zoos. We have every video in the world we need to see how these things operate and act. And we got to stop fucking thinking that there are personal playthings and property. What about if you want to have a like a panther as a pet or like a big cat? I'm going to pass on that one. No, but little cats are okay. Well, if they're at a humane society and like they're going to be put to sleep, if not, yeah, then they're great. Then that's okay. Yeah. If there was a little baby bear in a humane society that was going to like, you know, then you keep it, but don't shoot it when it gets grown up just so you can go to your friend Tyler and be like, look at this picture of me standing on top of this big year. I put a big thing up in my house and every time somebody walks in, they're going, I'm tough. And every time my wife tells me that I'm not tough, I point to the fucking thing on the wall and say, I am. I mean, I, I'm going to push back a little bit because I like to fish. And uh, uh, You I, catch I, and release, which drives me fucking nuts. But you know what? I, I like you as a person and nobody's perfect, including me. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about my weaknesses. So there, there's one of them. I like to catch and release. Why? You're hurting something. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. Does it make you feel like you've accomplished something? Yeah. That's Is that a sense you can't get from hurting another animal? Is that a something you can get from a video game or from like collecting rocks or something? I mean, I'll be honest, I just I don't I just don't think I care that I'm hurting them. Okay. That makes more sense. I think that's what it is for a lot of people, and that's something I don't think about often enough. Yeah, I mean, if I took it to that level, I think I would be in, I don't know, I would be in a world of hurt because I work in the food industry and I serve Yeah, but we're eating those. A- totally different story, right? Totally different story for me. And uh, I mean, that brings up the whole thing of like, do we really have to factory farm? And that's a whole different conversation. But for me, the baseline is if you're just catching or killing an animal for sport, then I just think it's a... It's a thing that males usually do, and I think it's something males do to give themselves a sense of power or importance that they feel like they're lacking somewhere else in their life. So there's a couple things I'll say here. One, there is a truth that certain populations have to be called, otherwise they become massive issues like wolves. That's definitely the truth. I did a ton of research on this in college, and I didn't believe it. And then I learned that it is true. Um. And if you don't call the wolves, then the deer population will decrease to a point where then don't the don't disagree. Will die. Don't disagree. Right. I'm talking about so, catch and release and trophy I, I, hunting. I'm just I'm just giving you examples of where that doesn't line up. And then with fishing, it's the same thing. Um, obviously, I'm not there to kill things, and I would I would actually keep the fish. But in this situation, because the waters are so polluted, I cannot. There literally is just too much mercury in the fish for me to eat it. So now so, the fish have to swim around in fucking mercury. And then every once in a while they go to eat something. They go, oh, it fucking got. Oh! Yeah. Everything's yeah. bright and hot. Who is this giant? Yeah. Oh! yeah. I mean, you're putting a whole bunch of things that they generally, I don't believe that they have into them, but that's okay. Uh, um, but uh, the, the self-realization stuff. 
Um, anyway, maybe, maybe it's true. I don't think, I don't think it is, but, um, there's but we got to get to it. it. What, what is the, what does it give you though? <clears throat> Cause I said it gives men sense of power, accomplishment. What is it I, for you? I, I mean, for me, it's just, it's something that I've done since I was a child. It's something that's always given me very deep inner peace. It is, I would say, you know, on a on a good fishing trip, it's probably 70% of just sitting there. And then there are, you know, 30% of the time where you're catching a fish, right? And, um, okay. So could you just ride around? Not the same thing. The, what is it about catching the fish? It's the challenge of it. It's the thinking like a fish, you know, thinking about what would cause a fish to do it. And then the idea that there's this giant one out there that you're going to get someday. And, and that, that, that's just like this thing that you're striving for. What is getting the giant? What does it matter if you get the giant one? Why is that good? It doesn't matter on any level other than it's just like, a. It's something that I've always wanted. It's just like I said, like since I've been a little, seriously, since I was a little kid, like little. So this is a nostalgia play for you. This is like some people collect MTG cards, you catch and release. I mean, I've been doing it since I could walk. I, I mean, every there's pictures of me as just a tiny kid. And every day after school, when, you know, I wouldn't hang out with my friends. I'd go straight across the street and fish. Yeah. Until the sun went down. So it's um, a, um, it might almost be like a soothing exercise or a calming exercise. It's like, it's a, um, it's a ritual for you. Yeah. That, I've talked about it before. Like I said, it's the it's 70% of it is, is not, not doing anything. It's just yeah. sitting on the water in contemplation. And there are a few people who are like, you know, my dad was one of the people, very few people who I could go and do that with. You know, it's an, it's an all day experience. My brothers are people I can do that with. And then there's one other person who I've met. His name is Neil, who I fish with now. And, and we've talked about it. Like you, you have to have a, we can't, it's just like, you can't go fishing with everybody. It's just, it's right. (laughs) There's only certain people that I can go fishing with. There's very few people and you have to be able to be quiet for hours at a time without any conversation. And then look at each other and just know that you're like, you've been having a conversation the whole time. I don't, don't know, talk, no other man. Way. Don't talk, man. But you might actually thing. get good at it. Like you, you would love Neil because he's like, we are, he has, he's in touch with his emotional side. And, um, and, uh, that wasn't a humble brag. That was just a straight brag. Right. Um, and, uh, but he's also a kickboxer. Right. And he's like, I don't know. He's a very interesting guy. And so we have very deep emotional conversations while we're fishing. It's not the tough guy routine. It's not like we right. talk about boxing or like none of that stuff. We, we generally are talking about things that are matter and we sing stupid songs and stuff like that. Aw, that's cute. Yeah. Man, I okay. had another thought left me. It's gone. Yeah. It's been an hour and a half, so it's probably a good it's time to wrap this up. Since I first saw you. Man, I wish I could remember that last thing I wanted to say, though, Sean. It's really bugging me now. Even you flow. Even go. Oh. Oh, it's it's almost back. It's almost back. It has to do with guys talking to each other. Oh, I remember what it is. I got to get this out. 
So you may have noticed this with me, Sean, but to fully expose what it is, you may have noticed that I like to bring up teasing your dad about the fact that he watched Fox News all the time when he got older. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll bring it up and I'll like poke at it a little bit like, oh, end up like your dad watching Fox News all the time on the couch. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I like to poke at your dad's a little bit, but I don't do that as much with your mom. I actually really like your mom is that to me, he was that typical repressed dude. Like he'd never talked about shit. He like, he'd never said a word. He just always had that look like I know what's going on. I'm like, no, this dude doesn't. And then I could tell at the end of his life, he didn't because he sat in front of Fox News every day hoping they would tell him what's going on. And that to me, that was an example of a guy who like um, male toxicity fucked him up, you know? Yeah. So I think he probably went through some of the same things you did and, and maybe not in as many ways, but he was musical, right? He was, he did all that stuff. And at that time, I guess it was actually more looked up to in his generation. But um, yeah, I think that's true for some of that stuff. I think that he was definitely the silent generation though. <clears throat> that's just, uh, he had a ton of family trauma too. So, yeah, you know, that, that, he, that definitely, as far as I can tell, he of of all of his family, he kind of got out of it pretty much the most unscathed. Oh wow! Yeah, but he he never was a talker, right? He just kind of always gave that look like he knew what was going on. Uh, also, he had what six brothers and sisters, and so um, and one passed and drowned in a pool when he was young, and his dad passed when he was like what fourteen or fifteen, and. You know, he, he had to become the the, lead, the the father of the family because his older brother couldn't handle it, and then his, his younger brother became a massive issue, and then his younger so like sister's a strong husband and steady died. Pillar. Yeah, he he had to, and and his his older sister actually, you know, really probably deserves a lot of that credit too. But but because she was a woman, it wasn't really allowed, right? right. And so that that piece of it, even even though she was always the backbone, it was mostly a looking back that we see how she was really the one who kind of helped keep it all together. Right. But yeah, men, men find value or are told to find value through three things. And that's either sexual domination, <laughs> physical domination, or financial domination and so you know emotions aren't really important as far as or you know being able to communicate with people aren't important on the man scale i like to dominate in all four areas so oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah domination i'm basically a dominant male mm, i don't know if you can say that about me uh i mean you know you you talk about being slightly effeminate, but I would, I would honestly say that I'm more effeminate than you. Like I, I'm totally more, I like to hug people all the time to the point of them being a little weirded out by it. Like you, you, it's definitely noticeable when I hug you that you're like, okay, I'm done. I don't like men touching me. It's, it's right. a different, yeah, it's a, and I, I'm I way it might've had to do with that kid sexually assaulting me when I was a kid. I'm not sure what it is, but something about men touching me really freaks me out. Yeah understood but yeah that doesn't i don't have that and you know of course i was in all the plays and stuff like that too so i got plenty of that i got plenty of the same um banter when i was in high school i got called all kinds of different things uh i just didn't care jeff i like i said like i was very lucky to not give a shit because 
I was seeing how it affected other people and I was like, I can't, I'm just, I don't give a fuck. Like who, I, I don't care what your opinion is. That's just absolutely not true anyways. Like if that's the way you're going to be and you're going to so be stupid. My thing off. with overconfidence being a turnoff, you say so much that you don't care about others' opinion that it makes me think that you care about other pin- people's opinion. Like you yeah, say it a lot. I did. I did. I cared a lot. Don't know it's because I did, Jeff. Like I, up okay. until that point, that's all I cared about. Right. Because you say that a lot now. Like I don't care about other people's opinion. I'm like, okay, but you say that a lot. <laughs> no, I know. And it's I it's because I did care so much about it. Okay. Right. It was it was everything to me. It was I I try kind of explained that before in my up until that point in high school, especially. But like again, the jealousy thing leads into that's a part of why the jealousy thing exists too, right? Like that's Oh, I have a new best friend, by the way. Actually, I actually have five new best friends. I mean, that's okay. If that were true. It, it would bother me, but it wouldn't, if it were really true and you found like some sort of enlightenment from it, I would not be upset with that. They're all women and they're all in their sixties and seventies and they're fucking amazing. We go Goodwill shopping together. That's just weird. Yeah. I, that's more, that's more, I'm, I'm worried for Christy at that point. There, actually that happened to me the other day. I was hitting, I was going place to place and there was like a seven year old woman who was like, Oh, you again, we're following each other. Aren't we? <laughs> I'm like, you got me, old lady. Yeah, I love stop. old ladies. They're the fucking best. I'm going to remind you all of what Jeff would say he wanted to do with the tapping on the bottom naked candidates. Oh, God. Wouldn't that be great? All right, Sean, you love to predict the future. It's your favorite thing to do. You say, don't wait for things. Just let it happen. Um, I'm so glad you get me. You need to give me a date or a no. One or two, either a date or a no. Well, which is fascinating because you're 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 also telling me I'm the prophet all the time. So, and I'm by the way, I don't want to be a prophet. Oh well, I've I'm been sorry. trying to remember to say this for a few t- days now. Too bad. Like one of the things that I find fascinating is that when people put put someone else into a category and then hold them to those standards, even though they're not asking for it, I love that. Yep. Anyway, go ahead. Whatever, prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, when is Donald Trump uh, going to jail? You can either give me a date or the word no. Probably, probably won't. So the word no. Probably won't is my is my guess. Mm, yeah, I said you could give me a date or the word no. I don't know the date. Probably won't. I'm not familiar with it. Well, I don't. What does no mean? He's not going to jail. Okay. <clears throat> um. No, I'll just say no. We got a no in the books, everybody. Yeah, I don't fucking know, man. It's fucking crazy. I'll tell you that much. It's so like. I like to compare things to times in the past. I'm even trying to compare it to like, you know, Hitler went to jail for a while after the beer hall pooch, but then fucking still became chancellor of Germany after going to jail. It's fucking crazy. And so I try to come up with these uh, similarities, but there's actually way too many things about those two situations that are very different where I don't see it reproducing itself. And this is just uncharted territory in my mind. I don't know what to compare this to historically. It's so crazy. And it's definitely a, truth is stranger than fiction like watching fiction these days it's like why like you just turn on the news now and that's like just the craziest shit you've ever heard you know yeah i think uh, i mean i've said this lots of times but i think right now people are misidentifying themselves with it a capital d or a capital r when in reality and how it actually affects your day-to-day life is so very minor that it's not actually even a 
10% of your personality, but we're acting like it's 90% of our personality. And I think that's, that's a, that's a problem. This would be another one of those examples, Sean, where I'm like, where, how did he get here? <laughs> I see it makes some sense, but again, it's like this leap where I'm like, that's a weird leap that we ended up there. But just to point out why, you know, you say sometimes you have these conversations where people are like, what are you talking about? What, what was hard about that one? Just thinking that like, I don't know, I, I'm, I was saying like, it's crazy times to try to navigate what's going on. And instead of going off that, you said people are identifying a lot as Republicans or Democrats. To me, those are two kind of like different thought patterns. I could see how they're related, but I think you definitely change streams there. And it's not bad. I, it's just putting the conversation in a new direction, but I'm kind of pointing out one of those things where you're like, I don't know why people look at me like I'm crazy. That would be one of those examples. Like I was talking about unprecedented times and thinking that you would maybe riff off that about what is unprecedented, what's not unprecedented, whatever, but you went to people are identifying. Are you saying that the only reason we are having unprecedented times is because people are identifying that way? Like what's the connection? Yeah, are you I'm just saying, saying that because I'm, we live in precedented times don't do that? No, I'm saying I think that a big part of the unprecedentedness of it is that we are trying to live out these things that aren't it's just not really true to who we are right i think it's more of a reaction than the cause so i think that's where we disagree as i cart before the horse like i think people are becoming tribalistic because they feel emergency and they feel like they have to uh, as opposed to the other way around but they do definitely feed on each other yeah yep they do bacteria feeding on some proteins Ah, no, 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 no. Well, oh. big plans for the day. What are you going to do today? Let's see. I need to um, poop in a bear, I guess. I need to sit in a tree stand for five hours and not talk about my feelings. Um, maybe put in a chaw and cut up my lip with some uh, fiberglass and just get buzzed as shit and you know me sean i gut it i don't spit that shit out i got that shit i mean yeah you're tough i'm a tough boy you know one th nice thing though about being a feminine kid growing up in uh like the michigan and all that stuff is you learn how to hang out with them like one reason why i always try to look like uh peyton manning like high tight haircut and dress super normal it's because then i can like slip into the country club and start giving everybody wedgies because they think i belong there <laughs> Christy and I have talked about that. It's like a reason why I don't want to get too many tattoos and things like that. It's like, I don't want to be identified. Like I want to be able to sneak in with those fuck faces. Because <laughs> we were talking about how it actually well, turns, <clears throat> it turns other people off for me. Like somebody who will be like way far left will see me and be like, this dude is scary looking. They look like some football coach Republican. And Christy's like, you turn people off for that reason. Like, we'll be around like women or something who are super left and like they see me and they're like, oh, they kind of recoil a little bit. And she's like, that's because of the way you look. You look like that type of person. And But we agreed that the reason I like to look like that type of person is then I get to kind of, you know, I get to have a conversation with the other neighbor next door who's into Trump or whatever and get to sl slide in little things, you know, because he's accepted me on my image, my visual image.
anyway, sorry for the tangent there, Sean. We got to go, right? I think so. I think it's time. People are people are tired of it. Oh, Peyton Manning, everybody. Look out. Lock your doors. Hide your wives, everybody. I am one hot old dude. I am just getting hotter every year, everybody. I'm a silver fox. Peyton Manning, silver fox over here. Look out, MILFs. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. God, I'll be seeing you in about a month and a half, two months here. It's coming right up. I'm looking something, forward to it. <clears throat> something like it's that. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yep. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. I hope you have a fantastic afternoon, evening, morning time, commute, jog on your treadmill, or beep, beep in the truck. Beep, beep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.